Welcome to the first episode of KPMG's new podcast channel, The Future of Audit. I'm your host, Larry Bradley, KPMG's Global Head of Audit, and I'm delighted that you decided to join us as we dive into current topics facing the audit profession today and how we can be prepared for what's to come. We have two fantastic guests lined up for you today as we start to explore what's been happening across the globe around the movement towards what we commonly call ESG, or sustainability reporting and standard setting. We're starting off by looking at what's happening globally and in the U.S. We'll look at developments in other jurisdictions, including the European Union, in a future episode. We've got a lot to unpack in the next 20 minutes or so, and so I'd like to quickly introduce you to our special guest today. First of all, Larry Leva, Vice Chair of the Board of Trustees at the IFRS Foundation, and Ruth Tang, an audit partner with KPMG Impact, co-leading the assurance services for the U.S. for ESG. Both of our guests today have on-the-ground insight and knowledge to share regarding the state of sustainability reporting, and they will help us dig into this area from different perspectives, regionally in the U.S. and across the industry. Okay, let's get going. Welcome, Larry, Ruth. Good to have you with us today. Thank you again. So, look, my first question is going to go to Ruth. Tell us, what exactly do we mean by ESG sustainability reportings and standards? Sure, Larry, and and thanks again for having me here and for me to be able to share some views in the U.S. with the with the international community. Larry, to to first set the stage here, there has to be a reason or purpose for reporting on ESG. And at a very high level, there really are two main reasons for reporting. One is building trust with your stakeholders. So companies are carefully selecting ESG metrics to cover in their ESG reporting. And these metrics speaks to what the company cares about and what they wanna be known for. Also, ESG governance leads to better and stronger business, right? Now, the second reason is investor demand and regulation. We're experiencing unprecedented market and regulatory demands for reporting here in the U.S. and also internationally, which means that investors and regulators are looking for companies to report on their ESG progress. So what does this mean for us and what does this mean for companies that are listening? The demand for ESG reporting is driving companies to really quickly figure out which ESG metrics are most relevant to their business. They're quickly also developing process and controls to help accumulate the data to measure on those ESG metrics. And finally, they need to figure out how to be able to do that and replicate that so that they can report on those metrics regularly, annually, or sometimes more frequently than that. That second part of your question, Larry, is on standards. So I would say in speaking to hundreds of companies by now, aside from the data management piece, right? Just getting the right data for reporting. Aside from that piece, the ESG standards is easily that next hardest thing that companies are tackling today. There simply is too many different standards and frameworks available in this ESG reporting arena. So much has been developed over the last couple of years and, and honestly, many more are being developed today. And it seems like everybody has something to say in this space with respect to ESG standards. We, we're seeing a lot of investor groups and trade organizations, 
government, even higher ed and not-for-profits, all having some stance on what is the right approach to ESG reporting. And, and many of these organizations and groups have also outlined their own frameworks and standards for their constituents to follow. So the challenge for companies, Larry, is to figure out which standard, which set of standards to use. And in the last 12 months, though, we've seen a lot of activity around what we think is convergence. And some of the major standard setting bodies are, are coming together to work on how best to streamline the reporting standards. And I think finally, I'll also say this, uh, while there are many different views on ESG reporting, we at KPMG believe that time is of the essence here with climate change and other social and, and governance matters. And in order to change the course that we're on, we need to move expeditiously and we need to be very decisive on this path forward. And we do believe that a baseline global ESG reporting standard is the solution going forward. Speed does seem to be of the essence, Ruth. Thank you for that. As a matter of fact, I think you've really set us off on a good path for this podcast. I'm going to come back to the standard setters in a in a minute in a question for Larry, because you made reference to the multiple um, what I call alphabet agencies that are out there right now. But before we get to that, one of the key items that you mentioned was investor demand, which sounds insatiable almost. What is driving this significant increase in investor demand for ESG reporting? Any thoughts? Well, this is uh, Larry Lava, and I think what's driving it is the fragmentation that Ruth was referring to, that there are just so many standards out there. So many folks are getting involved in sustainability reporting that it's created uh, some real challenges, uh, not only for the preparers, but also very importantly for the investors, because they're not able to compare information company to company, industry to industry, country to country in terms of the information. So there really is a, a huge demand for a global solution in this uh, in this area. Larry, in your previous response, you made reference to the standard setting process. Here's the question I have for you with respect to your role as the vice chair of the trustees of the IFRS Foundation. Can you give me your perspective to help understand why the IFRS Foundation should take the lead on establishing a globally consistent set of standards? I would put it that the IFRS Foundation is willing to lead on establishing a set of global sustainability standards focused on the needs of investors and capital markets rather than try and meet the needs of all stakeholders. And we've also made clear since our consultation in Q4 of 2020 that we would only get involved if there was a strong demand for us to do so. And the feedback from the consultation was very positive with a clear demand for global standards. Second, for the IFRS Foundation to set up a new sustainability standards board. Third, for the new board to focus first on climate to then move on to broader sustainability topics of interest to investors. And fourth, to leverage the good work already done by the TCFD, the SASB and others. I should also note that IOSCO, the International Organization of Securities Commissions has strongly encouraged us to take the lead, as have many others, including the FSB, G7, T20 finance ministers, multilaterals, etc. And these groups have cited 
our strong governance model, well-established due process procedures, our strong and respected relationships with regulators, capital markets, multilaterals, investors, auditors, and preparers as the reasons why we should take the lead in consolidating sustainability standard setting focused on the needs of investors and the capital markets. And I should point out that that success in the past is evidenced by our financial reporting standards being used in over 140 countries today and counting. And we'd really like to replicate that on the sustainability standard setting side. Thanks, Larry. I know from a KPMG perspective, we are very supportive of the IFRS in that role, the IFRS Foundation. In fact, we believe that it can really be a unifying force in, in this regard. Let me go back to Ruth on a question. In particular, I think the people listening today may be interested in a number of the regional developments that are taking place in this space. Ruth, people look to the United States to be a leader in many regards. Can you just give us an overview of where you believe the U.S. is in respect of developments? Yeah, sure, Larry. You know, the U.S. is a couple of steps behind the EU from just a like a rulemaking perspective. And I think this has a lot to do with the different administrations that have been in place. The last administration did not view climate change as a significant issue and therefore didn't progress very much in terms of rulemaking. The current administration under Biden, which took office about seven months ago, has made tackling climate change a critical issue here in the United States. And through a number of executive orders, the U.S. have been moving quite quickly, almost at lightning speed. So with respect to the SEC, they conducted a comment period on their existing climate disclosure framework and received hundreds of responses through the end of June. And in terms of rulemaking, the SEC had also announced in June that it will issue proposed regs on climate change, on human capital with respect to diversity, and also cyber security risk governance. So again, this timing in terms of issuing proposed regs is a bit ahead of the IFRS Foundation's timing, but the overall progress from a regulatory perspective is slightly behind the EU's performance. And with respect to maybe convergence and how are we gonna achieve this baseline global standard, the SEC understands where the IFRS Foundation is headed. They do participate through IOSCO as well. So it does remain to be seen how the two will collaborate uh, in the future with respect to a single baseline global standard. So this is a good segue to a question that I've been thinking about asking Larry again in his role with the IFRS foundations. So Larry, clearly a number of different jurisdictions, rulemaking authority, standard setting, uh, capabilities if they choose to do so between China, the European Union, the United States as well. And I'm just thinking back to your comment about the IFRS Foundation's mission to serve investors. What is your thought with respect to a risk to investors if perhaps the European Commission or the SEC decide to perhaps go in a different direction? Any thoughts in that regard? Uh, yes, I think it would be a real shame not to take advantage of the work of the IFRS Foundation, and whether it's the EU or 
the United States in terms of having a common global baseline to ensure consistency and comparability of information. And that consistency and comparability of information is so critical to investors and the capital markets doing their jobs in terms of efficiently and effectively allocating capital. And so what we are proposing is not to do everything that the European Commission would like to accomplish. We'd like to think of ourselves as a subset of what the European Commission is doing. The subset focused on the investor and capital market needs. And by all means, European Commission add on to those requirements, that global baseline with the you know, critical local issues, public policy priorities in Europe. And the same thing, whether it's the United States or important Asian markets or elsewhere in the world, if we can all rally around, as IOSCO has already done, uh, and, and many other organizations, the G7 and G20, as I mentioned earlier, if, if we can uh, get the support of the standard setters, whether it's through regulation or legislation, uh, for us to be able to provide that global baseline and then uh, apply the what we call the building blocks approach, where jurisdictions use our global baseline to address the needs of investors in capital markets and then add to those requirements, as I said, based on local priorities, local issues. I think that would really be a, a huge step forward for sustainability reporting and the needs of investors in the capital markets and broader society, I might add, through the effective and efficient allocation of capital. Let me take the uh, conversation in a different direction, just kind of building on a number of the items that we've discussed so far, and that has to do with the capacity and the capabilities that are going to have to be built up both within the professional services firms, but industry and companies as a whole. As I step back, the task is daunting. There's great opportunity. There's great challenges. It's exciting. But at the same time, I think there's a heavy responsibility amongst professional services firms like KPMG. So let me go first to Ruth to see if you have any thoughts on skill sets or key success factors on how professional services firms can react to this challenge that's in front of us. Many of the professional services firms do have the capability to provide this offering. Now, under KPMG Impact, we have all of our sustainability services, whether audit, tax, or advisory, under this umbrella. And we've been providing this service, as women have mentioned, for many years. Now, ESG covers a lot of different topics. And depending on the topic, you may need a specific specialists, just like the organization will need a specialist in accumulating information, we'll also need specialists ourselves. So a lot of the blocking and tackling, understanding process, understanding controls, making sure data is complete, that is the core expertise of an audit firm. When it comes to the specific topic, if it's greenhouse gas emissions that we're reporting on, perhaps we can then engage with our greenhouse gas experts within our advisory practice 
to help make sure some of the assumptions and calculations and modeling is appropriate. Now, very similarly, with organizations that are trying to accumulate this information, we see the use of specialists as well. We see them engaging with many outside greenhouse gas or ESG specialists to help them also make sure that the information is complete, that their modeling is appropriate, and that the assumptions used is accurate. Okay, I think I'm going to leave the final word for Larry Leva. Larry, where do we go from here? And in particular, what's next for the IFRS Foundation, specifically as we head into COP26 in November? Thanks, Larry. We are committed to making a firm go or no-go decision by the UN COP26 conference in November. But we have a lot to do between now and then. We need to secure funding for the new board, we're working very actively in addressing that right now. We are working with the existing standard setters to reach an agreement on a way forward. As noted, we have made clear we are demand-driven and do not want to be adding to the fragmentation or as some described, the alphabet soup of standard setters. Contemporaneously, we are looking to recruit a chair and deputy chair for the new board. We are taking steps to review our due process procedures to make sure they are fit for purpose for sustainability reporting. So a lot to get done in the next few months, but we are optimistic that we will get the support needed for us to move forward in November. I'm going to bring this to a close. I'd really like to thank every one of you, Larry, Ruth, for a fascinating discussion. Well, there you have it. A first look at sustainability reporting in the U.S. and global standard setting. We've reaffirmed today that there is a critical need to drive global consistency for businesses, investors, and the public by streamlining non-financial reporting frameworks into one globally consistent set of standards. As we head into COP26 in November and the movement to establish global standards quickly accelerates, we look forward to keeping you posted on the latest regional developments here and via my blog on kpmg.com. Thank you for joining us today for our first ever Future of Audit podcast. Until next time. <music>